Good morning. How's everybody doing? Wow, nobody, nobody's really good. That's not good. So good morning. I'm Adam. I, uh, I get the pleasure of working with the students here at the gathering, and I have turned this fan on way too high. I apologize. So, yeah. So we're going to be in Luke 18. We are continuing this all-in series um, that Pastor Paul started last week. It's the mini-series in Luke. And so I'm excited because I get to bring the second week, the second area that we should be all-in on. And it's uh, Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. So I, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I'm super excited. Like, today has just been a really great morning, a great time of worship. Last night, God just opened up the door for me to have some really great worship. And so I'm coming today excited because I've just been able to be with, be with my Savior. So um, I, I do have a question, though. Before we jump into the Scripture, has anybody ever done these big meal challenges? Uh, oh, okay, sweet. What kind of challenges have y'all done? The 55? All right. Same one? Oh, dude. Did y'all finish? How far did you make it? Oh, man, you were so close. What about you, Jerry? You f he finished the burger, but that was it. Man. Man. So, in case you guys don't know, the Highway 55 Big 5-5 five five Challenge is a 55-ounce burger. You have to eat the whole burger with cheese on it. I didn't realize that. Um, four toppings, side of fries, and one cup of drink. It could be water, it could be tea. Well, a couple weeks ago for this series, we decided, Paul decided it would be a good idea for me. No, no we decided it would be a good idea to uh, have someone attempt this big 5-5 five five challenge. And so, of course, I drew the, the lucky straw. Actually, I think I volunteered for it. But uh, I was really excited because there was this big burger and I felt like I've been training for this my whole life, right? See, since, since I was a little kid, and you can ask my parents, I would eat a ton of food, and they could barely keep it in the house. So I thought, man, if there was any challenge in life that I was well-equipped for, that I was prepared for, it was to eat a burger. So today, you get the pleasure of seeing the results of that. But before we play this video... I kind of want to give you the insight into Adam's mind on the 20, 25-minute car ride to Highway 55. So we're sitting there, and we're talking. Pastor Paul's driving, and I'm riding, and we're like, oh, man, it's going to be so great. And I, the whole time, I'm sitting there thinking, dude, this is going to be awesome. You know, you got to have four toppings on the burger, so I don't necessarily have to pick cheese. I was wrong. That's not included. Cheese has to be on the burger. And I hate it. Like, I know. Everybody thinks I'm weird. But I hate cheese. I eat pizza and cheese fries, and I dip them both in sauces so I don't taste the cheese. But I cannot stand cheese. So we, uh, we go, and I'm like, dude, there's no way I'm not going to finish this burger. Like, there is no way that my stomach is so small that I can't finish this burger. I have the ability. I have the skill set. I've been training my whole life eating a buttload of food. So we walked in. And this is pretty much what happened. Oh, man. So, you guys, you saw all that cheese, right? None of that looked appetizing whatsoever. And the worst part about it, right, so at least I thought, and I didn't think about this until after we attempted the challenge, 
but I don't eat cheese. And they gave me a choice of three types of cheeses. My compadre here didn't help me out. He was not like, hey, here, put some American. It's just like little. No. So I chose pepper jack, which was apparently terrible, and we didn't get a great shot of it, but you could not see the bottom piece of meat or the bun because it was loaded with cheese. It was disgusting. <laughs> it, it really, it truly was nasty. And so, like, I was having flashbacks and nightmares just sitting up here watching that whole video again. It was terrible. Um, but, so, like, I went into this whole challenge. I, For those of you who want to know, I ate half the burger, maybe half the fries and like three cups of tea. So you see where I got jacked up. Um, but I went into this challenge thinking there's no way that I am not going to finish this. I'm going to eat every bit of it and I'm going to walk out of there even if it has cheese because I'm good enough. I can, con- I can control what I'm doing. And so I want you to keep, I mean, that video is kind of disgusting, but I want you to keep it in the forefront of your mind as we're uh, talking today, as we're, as I'm sharing this message with you. And so we're going to go ahead and jump into Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. And we're going to read that real quick. And it says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to, into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes up to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So, you're probably trying to figure out what correlation there is between this video that we just watched of me eating a terrible burger and this parable. But it really has to do with the mindset, the heart behind it when I was going to. And I really didn't express too much in the video of how qualified I felt I was to eat this burger but I I really did I had this sense of I'm gonna do it I'm the person that can control this and there's no way I'm gonna back down well in verse 9 Luke gives us this whole background of the parable that he's that Jesus is about to tell and it's it's basically just telling us who Jesus is talking to and he's talking to people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous so I don't know about you guys, but I thought, man, that is surely a majorly prideful statement because they trusted in themselves that they made themselves righteous. And I thought, man, God, how, how, can, how are we going to even relate to that? Because I don't know anybody that's going to walk around and say, I'm righteous because I'm Adam and I know so much. But I'm like, God, how do we do that? And I was, I was real quick to be brought back to God and he was like look before you start judging this Pharisee let's look at your life and so I was I was thinking about man how often do I look at people or how often do I look at myself and think man just because I've went and I served or I've taught a lesson or because I have so much knowledge about scripture 
How often do I let that affect the way that I walk in my relationship with God? And I begin to realize this, this major mess that we're having to fight through. You see, we're, we're saying that we're all in. We're focused on pushing all our chips into the center of the table to say, I've got the hand that's, that's going all in. I'm ready. This is a, a card that I know I can win on. But there's a mess that comes with going all in. And see, the mess that we're focused on today is called pride. And uh, apparently God's been telling me something about this for the past, like, two or three months because the last time I got to preach, I was preaching in Luke 14. And you know what it was about? Humility and pride. And so God is, God is, really, God is really telling me something. But it's, it's funny because I look back and as I was looking at that, the message that God had me to speak then, it was radically different than the message that God has me speaking today because of where he's changing me and how he's working in me. But I begin to think about this, this whole issue that this, uh, this group of people that Jesus was talking to, what they were going through. And it wasn't just that they were prideful, but it was the way that they treated others because of their pride. You see, they trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. And I, God, like, spoke this, just this message to me. And it was really cool. It's, uh, it's just a phrase, and it says, Living out of our self-righteousness puts us in a place to value others less because of our mess. Right? So living out of our self-righteousness, living on the, on the instinct that we can do it, that we can control it, that we can count ourselves righteous because of what we can do, causes us to value other people less. You see, if, if each and every one of these uh, community group members that is going down to the, to the community table, if they walked in with pride, they would not want to do anything and nobody would get served. Now, I know these individuals, so I have no doubt that they're walking in with humility, ready to proclaim the name of Jesus to these, to these individuals that are coming to eat. But if we, if we are living out of self-righteousness... It puts us in a place that we are not ready to value others the way that God values them. And we're unable to serve them because of our mess. So that's exactly what I saw from this verse. And so we're going to go ahead and look at verses 10 through 12. And it says, Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all that I get. So today we're, we're going all in on humility. And I believe there's three ways that humility will affect our lives if we go all in on humility. And so the first way that we're going to look at today is if we are all in on humility, then we will recognize the source of righteousness. All right? So if we're all in on humility, we will recognize the source of righteousness. So look at, look at this Pharisee. He's, he's praying, he's going to the temple, and he's praying to God, the, the creator of all. And what, what's the one thing he can't get past? He can't get past himself. Have you ever been in, in a situation like that? So I, I, I realized that, unfortunately, I'm much like this when it comes to telling stories. I love to tell good stories, and I feel like I've, I've had an interesting life, so the stories are usually funny. And so somebody will be like, oh, Adam, hey, man, let me tell you about my experience. I went and yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, dude, that's so awesome. Yeah, I did 
And I'll like I'll tell this long story, and I'm like, I just missed the point of their story. They wanted to have conversation with me and share something with me, but I was so excited to share my same adventure that it was overpowering what they've done, what they were experiencing. And I was like, man, like this this Pharisee, he can't get past what he's done, who he is, to even see who God is, and so that's. That's what we're seeing, and I mean, like, this guy, I'm not going to lie, this guy puts me to shame. I mean, it's just terrible. This dude fasts twice a week. I don't know about any of y'all, but I'm not on a fasting twice a week diet. I love my food, as the video can tell. Even if it's got cheese on it, I still eat. Like, I, that, is, that is something that's not regular for me. But this guy, being a Pharisee, like, he, he was like, yo, I fast twice a week, and I give a tithe of all that I get. Man, it's like, dude, this guy's, he's upper echelon of what we would say like is, or what they would say was a, a good man. And I realized there's one word, like in, in Bible college, they teach you this like really cool thing about Scripture. If you want to like know what the passage is about, you can tend to look at the words that repeat, right? So like this guy, you can tell what he's focused on by the words that repeat. God I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. This man was so focused on who he was and what he had done that he couldn't get past and see the one who was giving righteousness, the true righteousness. And so um, Luke 16, 15, it says this, and he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. As I read that, I'm like, holy cow. Because like everything that we look at visibly, that we would think, man, that makes Adam such a good Christian because he went and did this and he went and did that. But if I did it with pride, I'm a failure. You see, if I don't recognize the source of righteousness that's living in me and I don't proclaim Jesus as that righteousness, then I've failed everything I've done. Look, see, I, I can't even claim the good stuff. Like, So I was a part of that group that went to the servants with the heart and then we went to serve at the building. You know, like That was great, but if it was just Adam doing it, it was just for Adam's glory, but that's not how I'm called to live. And so like, I begin to think, all right, God, so where is my source of righteousness? And it's very clear in Scripture. I, I mean, we're going to flip over to 1 Corinthians verse, chapter 1, verse 30 through 31. And it will be on the screen if, if you can't get there. But it says, and because of, of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let no one boast who boasts, boasts, let the, oh, man, I jacked that up. Let me reread that. Whew. So that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Right? So think about this. What does the world look like if every Christian goes out and serves and, like, they just cause this mass movement and they all turn around and say, well, we're, we're terrible people. God just makes the difference and he's allowed us to serve, so we're serving him by serving these people. What does the world see? They see a group of individuals with a heart focused on the source of righteousness. Why? 
because it's not about their name being in the headlights. It's not about their name being the one on the billboard. It's about God's name being the one proclaimed. So another verse that I thought about, and it was very clear to me that uh, this was where we see righteousness come from, but Romans 3, 20 through 24, it says, For by works of the law, no human, human being will be, able, will be justified in his sight. So no human being will be justified in God's sight according to the law. Since through the law comes, comes knowledge of sin, right? So sin makes us aware that we are, or the law makes us aware that we are sinful and unable to live up to God's standards. But now the righteousness of God has, has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for those, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by him by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You see, if we are all in on humility, then we recognize the true source of righteousness. We recognize that Jesus is the one who came, who died, who was raised so that we could experience salvation and we could experience his righteousness in us. And so as we go all in on humility, we recognize that it's not about Adam It's not about Pastor Paul. It's about Jesus and his name being glorified. And so as we go on, then we see another area that, uh, as we go on in Luke 18, we see another area that is affected if we go all in on humility. And that is, if we're all in on humility, then we will become broken over our sins. Broken over our sins, broken over our sinfulness. So let's look at the, the tax collector, this contrast between the Pharisee and the tax collector. And he says, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So at first glance, this cat looked weird to me, right? So this tax collector seemed rather strange. I mean, he... He won, like, you know, he's living in a time of, I'm like, God, I'm able to just talk to you anywhere, driving down the road, like, that's my preferred method, and uh, not, I don't have to have my eyes closed, thankfully, or else I would wreck, but um, it's like, God, this, this guy wouldn't even look up to you, and he recognized the source of righteousness. He recognized that God is that source that makes anything righteous. And he recognized his position in God's presence, that he is not worthy to, to even look at God as he speaks to him. Like, you ever, you ever discipline a kid? You ever see a kid that knows they've done something wrong and, like, you've called them over here? And they stand there like this. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. And then you're like, look at me, I'm talking to you. But this, this guy, he was so broken over his sins that he, he, couldn't, he couldn't look up to God. He wouldn't look up to God. But that wasn't the odd part, right? Like, I get that. There's shame and sinfulness. But the part that got me was this guy beat his breast. Like, I mean, I, I'm thinking like king of the jungle. Ah! But, I mean, not really. No, this guy, he was, as I, I began to study, he was 
broken over his sins. And this was a, a symbolic gesture to say, God, I'm broken. And it really just, it really made sense when I went into the Old Testament and started studying this. And in Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do f- flows from it. Right? So imagine this tax collector who's heard this verse before. And he's like, he recognizes that his heart is the place that everything flows from in his life. Well, if that sin is in his heart, if he recognizes that he is the source of the sin problem, then he is showing God, look, I'm taking control of it. I'm submitting my heart to you by beating it. And that, that, just, that goes on to show us how, how great his, his brokenness was. As I, as I thought about being broken over sins, I'm just like, I don't do that. I, I mean, to be honest, how often am I broken over my sins? And so that, that led to a whole other conversation with God this week where God had to say, look, Adam, this is a problem. This is something that you have to recognize as an issue. And God has just been pouring life into me because, you know why? Because I've become broken over my sins. I realize that my sinfulness breaks the relationship between myself and God. And I'm like, why would you keep coming back? God, why do you keep allowing me to go off, screw up, and then you still want to draw near to me? Why? Because he loves us and he's near to the brokenhearted. You see, this week when God was pouring into me was because it, it came because he was near to me while I was broken. In Psalms 51, 16 through 17, it says, it says this, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a blunt... Uh, I'm going to start that over. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice, sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Man, like, if we're all in on humility, we recognize that our sinfulness completely separates us from God. It completely keeps us away. But God says, I want to draw near to those who are broken. And when we become broken over our sins because we realize we're not good enough to live up to the standard, then we see God drawing close to us. And you say, Adam, you may say, Adam, that's all, that sounds all good, but that's, that's not really how it goes. Well, let me, let me challenge you with a couple more verses, right? Isaiah 57, 15. It says this, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy places. This is God speaking, right? I dwell in the high and holy places. And also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. Right? So God's not only a God who is far off and just saying, oh, you do your thing. No, God is a God who says, I see you're broken and I want to be with you. But why? Why does he want to be with us? Because in verse uh, 15 at the end it says, it says, to revive the spirit of the lowly. God isn't comfortable with you being broken and left there, right? God wants to revive you and to revive the heart of the contrite, right? Contrite means uh, extreme guilt or sadness. 
So God wants to revive the spirit of the lowly. God wants to take the humble and exalt them. Wait. I, th- I think I've heard that before because in verse 14, at the end it says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. That's interesting, right? God isn't okay with just saying, oh, Adam's broken. Adam's messed up. No, he said, Adam's broken because he sinned, and I want to fix him. I want to use him to make my name great. I want to use him so that he can proclaim the name of Jesus. But if we're, all, if we're all in on pride, there's no chance we'll do that. Because we see our sins as, oh, they're not so bad. Man, they're not as bad as that tax collector. I mean, I'm not an extortioner. I'm not someone who's unjust. I mean, I'm not an adulterer. I'm not that bad. Right? But when we're all in on humility... We become broken over our sins because we, re- we realize that our sin separates us from God. And so when we recognize the source of righteousness, the first point, when we're broken over our sins, then we get a whole new perspective on things, right? And that leads us to the third area where we are affected. And this is, if we are all in on humility, then we will come before God with a repentant heart. Now, this sounds like a terrible point. I know. It does not sound fun. But I'm telling you, it is, it is so important. So, look at verse 13. This tax collector says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Man, this guy recognized his position. He recognized that, God, I'm not good enough, so I need you to help me. God, my sin is separating me from you, so please be merciful to me. I, I'm like, God, what? How do, how do I share on this? And so it gave me a couple verses, right? Micah 6, verses 6 through 8. And this is what it says. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with, uh, with thousands of rams, with ten thousands, river, ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Man, God, God recognizes that we're sinful. God recognizes that we're not living up to the standard, but God says, I want you. God says, I want you to walk with me humbly. I want you to come into my presence and say, God, I'm not good enough. Please be merciful to me so that he can take our humble spirit and he can revive us. So I begin to think about this and Y'all are going to really get a kick out of this when I tell you where God speaks to me most often. But it is usually in the restroom. Because it's quiet. That's right. Because it's quiet and no one's bothering anybody in there. So, like, I know it sounds weird, but God and I just talk in there. 
And so I'm in there talking to God one day, and it actually happened to be at the gym. And uh, I was like, like the week of the week you preach a message. If you don't, if you're not preaching like this every week, you're focused on nothing but that. Like you forget that you have a birthday and all that stuff. You you're focused on your sermon. And so the whole time I'm like sitting in there, and I'm like, God, I want to understand and portray this last point the way you want me to. And he he spoke something to me, and it was uh, Isaiah sixty four eight, right. And it says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. So, thinking about this verse, I begin to think about pottery and clay and all of these things that I really have no idea about, right? But I begin to think about humility and soft clay. There is a comparison. So when you're humble, when you have a humble spirit, you're able to be changed. When you're soft clay, you can be put on a wheel and spun, or I'm not sure what it's called, but you can be made into something new. But what happens when you're old clay and you're just a slab? It doesn't join to anything. It can't be used unless you revive it. And I'm like... God, this is exactly what you want from us. You're taking an old, hard piece of clay, and you are making us new again so that we're able to form into the body that you've created so that we can be the hands and feet, so that we can be the the person made to do the calling that you've given us so that we can walk humbly with you. And I'm like, God, this is incredible. Like, you're willing to not only talk to me, but you're talking to me to a sinner, but you recognize that I need your help, and you're saying, Adam, share this. And I'm like, God, clay and humility has nothing in common until we spoke. I'm like, God, okay. So how how do I become this way? And and God's like, you got to go all in. You've got to go all in. You see, if you don't, I I, I watched like this five-minute video, because to be honest, Pottery is not my thing, and it was kind of like, hmm, I about fell asleep watching it. No, but but this lady was telling me how to revive an old piece of clay. Like, you put it in a bag of, like, one sponge worth of water, and then stick it in the bottom of the thing for, like, 15 minutes, and it takes this old clay, and it makes it moist again, and it's able to be reformed, reshaped, and molded into something else. It's really interesting, sort of. But God's like... Adam, if you're not all in on humility, if you don't come to me with a repentant heart, there's no way that I can change you because I'm not a God who forces you. I'm a God who says, Adam, you're, you're messed up here. Let me make you into something better. Let me revive your heart. Let me revive your spirit. And so that, that led me to, to my big idea today, and that is you can't be all in on humility if you're full of yourself. So look at the look at the ta- the Pharisee. This guy couldn't be all in on God because he was full of what he was doing. He couldn't be all in on who he needed to be because of what he had done, the people he was not like. But when you're all in on humility, you recognize the source of righteousness. 
You're broken over your sinfulness, and you come before God with a repentant heart, all because you recognize that to be all in on humility, you can't be full of yourself. So I thought about this, and I've, I've prayed a lot. And that the last verse, verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So to be honest, I, uh, I had to do a whole, whole lot of soul searching and listening this week because I'm not the, the man that I needed to be. There was pride in my heart that I needed to change. And God spoke that to me through preparing for this message. And I was like, God, well, how many other people are going to be there dealing with this same thing? How many other people are looking at themselves and saying, God, I'm so full of myself that I can't see you? And then last night happened, right? So last night, God totally jacked me up, I'm telling you. And it was good. Um, so we went out last night and come home and just, um, I'm like, Mom, Dad, Grandma, I'm, I'm going driving. I like to get away and just go pray. And so I get into my car, and I got to go get gas because I didn't have gas. And so I'm like, dang it, this is like cutting into my driving time with God. And uh, so I go get my gas, and I end up driving for two hours because of this song that we're about to play. And um, God just started speaking to me. Adam, if you want me to revive you, if you want me to bring revival into your heart, you have to be all in on humility before me. And so that's what I'm asking right now. I'm pleading with each and every one of you. Come, be humble. And so we're going to play this song. And I just want anyone and everyone who's saying, God, I need your humble spirit to revive me to bring my spirit high in you to just come down here if you need prayer pastor paul's here i'm here and some elders are here just come down here we will pray for you but i don't want anyone walking out of these doors because with walking out of these doors with pride and not willing to lay it down before god the one who wants to revive them and so i just i just want to take this time to ask you if, if you are this way if you need prayer if you just want more of God to revive you come forward and pray
So as, as they're praying, you know, we're going to continue to sing this song. But, man, if there's anyone who is struggling with anything, addiction, with not even recognizing the source of righteousness, man, if there is anyone who doesn't know Jesus as your Savior, but you're like, dude, this guy's jacked up about something different, and I want to know what it's like, come up here. Talk to someone. Talk to someone in your community group. Talk to someone that's sitting beside you, but talk to someone because we don't want anyone leaving this place without knowing the name of Jesus. So we're gonna we're gonna close in prayer real quick. But uh, if you're a first time guest, thank you for being here. Please stop by the VIG. Just come have a conversation with us. And if anybody wants to pray about anything, anybody needs to talk to someone, uh, we'll be up here for a little bit and just be able to chat. So let's pray. 
God, thank you for this day that you've given us. Just thank you for the opportunity to be able to come in and just uh, speak a message that you've poured so greatly into my heart, God. And Lord, I ask that you would just let us go all in on humility, Lord, as we walk out this week, God, that we would just serve you in a mighty way with a humble spirit walking closely to you. God, that is my prayer. And uh, we thank you for it. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen.